than bubble. I'm, I'm with you guys on when you think of bubbles, isn't the first thing that you think of bursting. Put it on the poll. Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh, and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. Today, we have on with us Andrew Schlecht, NBA podcast producer with The Athletic. He covers all things Thunder-related. So Kyle and I really get down to the nitty-gritty for the Thunder this season and what the future holds. Uh, we also have the NFL Divisional Round breakdown, and we make our predictions for this coming weekend. And then Kyler is going to enlighten me on some guy named Connor McGregor, who is mm. supposed to be fighting this weekend. Guys, remember to stay plugged in on our social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Burst Your Bubble. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts. Remember to rate, review, share us with your friends, share us with literally anyone you know. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Kyler, I know that the last couple of times you and I have been talking, I've talked about my my new fitness journey, trying to get fit, losing weight. I'm down eight pounds. I've got a personal trainer. I am doing the nutrition program correctly. I am eating four meals a day, working out twice a day, sticking with it through a week. Hey, dude, I love it. Well, how many of those pounds came from uh, you crying after the Ravens lost on Sunday? So uh, there were a few, mm. you know, but I do take solace in the fact that Lamar Jackson won his first playoff game. He got through the first hurdle. That was that was the important thing. Um, I text you the day that the Bills won their first game. I said uh, before they won that game, I said if the Bills win this game, they could go all the way and win the Super yeah. Bowl. Uh, Josh Allen got settled down. He did what he needed to do. He's throwing the ball well. They're they're playing. This seems like the Bills' year because yeah. they are playing well on both sides of the ball. And you know, with the Ravens, I, you know, someone texted me this uh, this weekend and asked how I felt about my Baltimore Ravens mm. after after the loss. And I said, you know. I don't feel terrible. I, yeah. I feel like we're in a good spot. I think that uh, Lamar does need to take a step forward in the passing game. That is that is known. Maybe but, two. But I also think that the offensive play calling needs to change a little bit. Yeah. Um, we can't run the ball every first down. Can, Let's can, give Lamar yeah. a, a quick little curl route, you know. Can we start? A, I mean, this can start here on this podcast. The hardballs are overrated, both of them. But they are overrated, I mean, Josh. My guy, my guy, my guy has a Super Bowl. The other so, so does Drew Brees, and he's overrated as well. We'll get to all of that later. Like you said, Josh, the divisional round has come and gone. UFC returned this past weekend. I know you didn't watch any of that. Joaquin Neiman continues to shine, even though Kevin Na ended up walking away with the win. Josh, let me listen. Let me list off how much money Joaquin Neiman has won since. The year turned 2021, 782,000 in his first appearance and then 587,000 in his last appearance. And that was in a three-way playoff that he lost. So uh, well over a million dollars for my boy, Joaquin Neiman, still working on getting him, getting him on the podcast. Still not sure if he speaks any English, but we are working on that. Wow. That is a lot of money in this month of the year. I would be set obviously for the rest of the year. And many more years to come. Josh, he made that in 19 days. It's only, uh, so obviously recording this on the 19th on on Tuesday night. And honestly, they only play four day tournaments. So in the 19 days, he's worked eight of them and made 1.2 million dollars. Well, you know, he works works every day. Works on that game every day. Well, he plays golf. But I, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but so how much of that? How much of that money do you think he's already spent? 
Well, you know, I think he's a pretty friend. Josh, he comes from Chile. I don't know if you know. Uh, I think I've told you that he come. He was my roommate's, you know, friend back in Chile. Come from a very yeah. impoverished um, community back in, in Chile. So, uh, you know, I doubt he's much of a large splurger, but you know, I bet he has set his family quite a, quite nice. Um, but Josh, let's get back to Sunday. Uh, as stressful as your work life has been the past few months, sitting down to watch your Ravens play, it's your happy place, your getaway. So, uh, how was your Sunday, buddy? My Sunday was fantastic. We had spent the night at Becca's Mimi's house the night before. Uh, so I, I think that we talked about this on the pod whenever I got back from Colorado. Mm. Uh, I don't know if we did, but Becca and I had a car wreck going down, get hit yeah, by a did. semi, yeah. hit a patch of ice. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about that. Well, on Saturday, we went and got her a new car. Ooh. Uh, finally, insurance paid and everything. So she got a 2019 RAV4 Ooh. styling and profiling. RAV4. She calls it Raven the RAV4. Raven the yeah, Raven. The RAV. Nice. I love that. See, and it worked out. She called, I didn't even have to, to talk her into it. Uh, you know, she floated the, the idea of it being a Raven. And I said, see, you're well, just a woman after my own heart. Did she Did she uh, watch them play it? Did you watch them lose this weekend? Uh, no, she no, she. Okay, stays yeah. away whenever I'm starting to watch football. Oh no, actually, so I lied. She did go with me because here's <laughs> what we did. So that so <laughs> game night, we're at a so I was trying to find somewhere to eat and uh enjoy a hard seltzer because mm-hmm. I'm I'm staying away from beer, you know, too many calories. So I was uh getting a hard seltzer, a mm. glass of wine, and to just to watch the game and I had a couple of lettuce wraps and I said, Well, you know, we're looking at this restaurant and it was called PJ's. Okay, yeah, PJ's, Broken Arrow, uh, Big Speed area. So I was like, all right, you know, this this will work. We show up. Uh, I did not know that it was Hooters mm. uh, on steroids. Um, oh, yeah, good. So, uh, so it was a, it was a, a PG thirteen strip club. Yeah. So uh, we walk in, and Becky goes, "Did you know it was advertised like this?" I said, "Babe, you saw you saw what I saw on the website because we how looked were, at the same menu." How were the wings? I did not get wings. I got so the breast. So this is what I got. I got a chicken fried steak on top of a Texas toast with gravy on the side, and I only ate like half of it because I'm on a you know on my yeah. nutrition stuff. I just had to hit my macros. I get my calorie count up there. But the food that I had was delicious. She had some beer battered pretzels, mm. um, and then a burger. It was delicious. But yeah, so we go to PJ's. Uh, you know, women wearing push-ups to their chin. That was you know just a great time for both of us. And needless to say, we're getting through the first quarter, and I've screamed a few times. And Becca, you know, she understands the concept of football. So every now and then she goes, "Well, the, he wasn't supposed to do that, was he?" No, 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 he was not. And then Justin Tucker comes out, first kick. Al Michaels, here comes Justin Tucker. He never misses. And Becky goes, well, that's not good. <laughs> I say, she doesn't watch football, and she knows you're not supposed to do that, Al Michaels. Jinx, Justin Automatic. Come on, man. That's so completely it was a long Becca. day. That's completely um, Becca. No, no, it was on Al Michaels. She knew that he jinxed him. Well, yeah, but I mean, she double jinxed him. Anyway, uh, so the only points coming, uh, the Ravens only points coming to end the first half, which actually, Josh, tied the score heading to halftime. It was uh, three to three. So the defense did come to play. um, But whatever Sean McDermott said in the locker room seemed to pay off. The Bills came out with an 11 play touchdown drive. Then the next possession, a pick six on Lamar. And that was the ball game. That drive, it was such a beautiful drive getting down the field. And you know he they just did not good, see Johnson. Man. They looked good. The the 
The Bills look good getting down the field, but then the Ravens look just as good getting back down the field the other way until they're at the 12-yard line and Lamar Jackson doesn't see Travion Johnson or what the hell ever his name is. Haven't made a play like that in years. Did you see it, Josh? Did you see his combine video? I saw it. That's okay. Yeah, no. Okay, let's move on. But the Bills, Josh, they will move on to face the Kansas City Chiefs, who may be with uh, without perhaps the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, while we're recording this, Josh, at ten forty nine p.m. on the nineteenth, do we have an update on Patrick Mahomes? Um, the last I saw was now that he he was nursing a foot injury or an ankle injury. Okay, yeah. So that while the research team gets on that, um, Josh, the Browns are single handedly the most cursed franchise in the league. Uh, let's start with that touchdown that turned into a touchback. Uh, that's got to be the stupidest goddamn rule I've ever heard. So the rule is stupid, uh, you know, for what it is, but it should have been helmet to helmet contact. This this is how much Becca doesn't watch football. She goes, well, I've seen them call that before. You can't hit with your helmet like that anymore. And I said, no, you're exactly right, but they did not call it and you can't review it. She goes, well, that just seems not like it's not very safe. And like what you've said on the show before, safety over ratings or ratings over safety. Ratings over safety. That's exactly right. And that's why he wasn't isn't suspended for the next game because they're going to need everybody, every hand they can get to face the, or every hand, especially on the defensive side of the ball to face these bills. And that's the thing, Josh, in the in every single slow motion video and every picture that was captured and put on Twitter of that hit of Higgins crossing the goal line and fumbling, Sorelson's hands are at his hips. And he's flying like he's Superman, barreling into a man stealing a woman's purse. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly what it was. He was swan diving right at the other, I mean, at least make it reviewable for those kinds of plays. I don't know how to change the rule for for fumbling back in the on the other side or fumbling into the end zone. But you can review helmet to helmet contact. I don't get why it's such a big deal to fumble out of the end zone. Like you had you know, the ball in the end zone, or like you, you fumble... That is such a weird, weird rule to me. Um, in either case, this leaves Pat Mahomes more than enough time on the clock to go down and get a field goal to make it 19-3 at the half. Um, and here's my thing about Baker Josh. I mean, I understand he had a couple unlucky bounces in the first half um, here and there, but you cannot allow this team, this particular cursed franchise, to go down 19-3 to at half against a team that is right on track to win, what, six, seven Lombardis over the next 10 years? Yeah, you can't do that. You can't give Patrick Mahomes points. You can't give Andy Reid points. Uh, but so actually, Kyler, this brings up a, a really good point that I, I just remembered I wanted to ask you. Let's say, worst case scenario, knocking on wood here, fingers crossed that Patrick Mahomes gets the play, one of the best for the guy, uh, one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen play, arguably the best already. Uh, so want him to play, not you know, not putting any negative negativity out there. But in the case that he does not play and Chad Henney – wins this game who does this affect more Patrick Mahomes Chad Henney or Andy Reid well it's going to affect Andy Reid in the sense that he's going to become I mean one of the greatest coaches ever it's going to be he's going to be on the Mount Rushmore of coaches in the NFL Chad Henney is going to get a huge payday from somebody and Patrick Mahomes is going to be the starting quarterback for the Chiefs next year so you don't think that it will hurt Patrick Mahomes? You think legacy? this is going to cause a quarterback controversy in Kansas City? No, 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 no. I'm saying, does this hurt Patrick Mahomes' legacy of – does this change the narrative of how great Patrick Mahomes is versus how good of a coach Andy Reid is if Chad Henney can go out and win this championship game? 
Well, Josh, he didn't necessarily win this this past game against the against the Browns. I mean, yeah, um, he yeah, didn't lose it. He, uh, exactly. But no, that's what I'm saying. He didn't lose if it. Chad Henney goes out and wins this game, beats the Bills, he would have to beat the Bills in a 35 to 30 shootout. But if it's a 17 to 13 game, and then he faces the Buccaneers and they beat them 21 to 17, then I mean, I think that's more on Andy Reid's play calling. I don't. So, there, but, I mean, there's no but, way Chad. I, I guess my my people. question is. Do the Kansas City Chiefs need if I mean if Chad Henney goes and wins this game? Do the Kansas City Chiefs even need Patrick Mahomes? Yes, one hundred percent. Because it, Josh, if Patrick Mahomes does not play this weekend, they are losing. So uh, let's so let's go back to the game. To open the second half, it was a beautiful pick from the Honey Badger. The Chiefs could not capitalize. However, a rare miss from Butker. So I know Browns fans that were still very hopeful, or at least not as sad as they usually are. Uh, Baker had led a nice touchdown drive to make it 10 to 19. The very next possession, Josh, when the injury happened that every sports show in America led with today, uh, Patrick Mahomes goes down with that injury. Here's the thing, Josh, and I've heard other people say this, and I thought this at the time. It looked, his head didn't hit the ground. If it was me, if I had to guess, I'm going to say he was choked out. He lost consciousness. Uh so, so Andy Reid came out and said that he got hit in the back of the head, mm. and that's why they were uh, that's why they were optimistic that he would be able to be back for this weekend. See, I, I, I don't just, know what the difference is. I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what the difference is between getting in the back of the head and the front of the head. But apparently, the back of the head is better somehow. I don't really know. I feel like the brain could move any which way. But to me, it looked like I really thought that whenever he got wrapped up, the guy had his arm around his neck. And I thought it was like his neck getting twisted in a certain way. It it was being twisted to the left. And then even as he was going to the ground, the defender was still pulling on his neck to to, uh, a certain direction. And I figured, Josh, I mean, with all of the pads and all the shoulder pads that especially go up all the way to your neck. I mean, if your head's twisted around like that, it'd be very easy to cut off one of those arteries and to go to sleep pretty quickly. And that's what it looked like to me. It didn't look like a guy with a head injury getting up. It looked like a guy who had just gotten, I mean, put to sleep in a UFC fight. Yeah, I just know that uh, they said, we're going to find out whether or not Patrick Mahomes uh, as a concussion or can play. And I said, whether or not he, like, this man could barely stand up. There's no way he's about to go back out and play in an NFL game. Yeah, well, no he said he, they said he was trying to, but uh, Chad Henney, though, definitely deserves the game ball. I mean, we've never given that – I don't think we've ever given that a word out, Josh, have we? I, I don't think so. Before on the show, I'm not sure if any other podcasts give out game balls, but uh, it has to go to Chad Henney to come out cold after that I think, injury. Go ahead. Oh, no, absolutely. You're, I mean, you're, you're right. Chad, anything is possible in the words of Patrick Mahomes. He, I mean, he played amazing. But someone, the other person I want to highlight here, and we kind of talked about him, Baker. I think Baker took a huge step forward this year in the system with Stefanski. Even if he's just playing in that system, I think it helps him and it makes him look like a lot, a very competent quarterback. You know, whenever you have trust in, in the guys you're playing with and the system that you're playing in, it can completely change the way that you're playing the game. Look at Ryan Tannehill. I think Baker is, uh, you know, profiting from a great coach and a great system, finally finding some stability uh, in this organization. And he led them to the playoff berth and since, uh, in I don't remember, 14, 16, 18 yeah. years and the first playoff win since 1994. I mean, those are two huge milestones for this Cleveland Browns team. And I think they're going to be around for a little while in this division. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And uh, Chad Henney, though, did, he did add some insurance points, even though only was three, makes a score 22 to 17. Baker then again leads another impressive drive, even though it literally took over half a quarter off the clock, eight minute drive 
Nonetheless, makes it a five-point game because no NFL coach understands the math on when or when not to go for two. Uh, and the next possession, Chad Henney, Josh, anything is possible, calls his own shot deep down the field. Of course, it is intercepted. The Browns have the ball down five with eight minutes left on the clock. So eight minutes are left on the clock. Their last touchdown drive took exactly eight minutes. Okay, Josh, so now four minutes on the clock, fourth and eight. The other team does not have their star quarterback. Do you punt and trust the defense or let Baker win or lose you the game? I'm, I'm probably letting Baker win or lose the game. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, you. I, you know, but you know, in those situations, like they do have Chad fucking Henny in the game. Anything and, is possible. And you don't expect him to go on a, what was it? A 18 yard scramble for the first down what a, or no for the fourth, for the fourth <laughs> and inches. And then Andy Reed with the big old set he's got decides to run a pass play with Chad Henney fourth down game on the line. Fourth and inches, Chad Henney from the shotgun. Jesus Christ, Andy Reid. Not even, not even acting like they were going to run the ball. But honestly, I mean, that is, I think that's one of the most unstoppable plays in football is to just run to Tyree Kill and a slant. I yeah, mean, that, that, <laughs> I that's mean, the who's going to catch him? That's the new God play. I mean, Josh, remember the God play back in Madden? You just run, run a, uh, run a Gronk, Gronk uh, curl right up the middle, and he, he's going to catch that ball every single time. But um, that's all I've got on, on the AFC. Josh It's going to be a great matchup. I can't wait for it. I really hope Patrick Mahomes plays. Um, I hope it's a shootout. I have a feeling it's not going to be, though. So Patrick Mahomes plays. What's the prediction? 34-24 Bills. Oh, I like it. I uh, I will go I will go 34-31 Bills. Mm, man, I, I Josh, I really hope so. I just man, I, I'm I'm scared about I'm scared about Mahomes. I really am. Uh, but uh, fair enough. Let's move on to the NFC. Packers took care of business early in the first game of the weekend. Goff, he looks serviceable. Cam Akers, decent performance. They were lacking Cooper Cup which has become a recurring sentiment, um, and also a very banged-up Aaron Donald. Josh, is there a more fitting name for Aaron Donald than the Terminator? No, I don't think so. That man is unstoppable. Oh, real quick before we get too far into this, I do want to point out that Miles Garrett on for the Browns, mm. he was hurt the entire second half, and he would come back every other play, and every play he came back, he would make an impact. That man is incredible, too. Yeah, but, but yes. They were also, they were also uh, his backup was also playing very well, so – I mean, you know, maybe maybe it would have serviced his team if he would. I don't know. Guys like that, they, they do make such an impact, even if they are hurt. Uh, what were you going to say about Aaron Donald, though? I was going to say he's the same kind of way, but he's not mm. the same kind of way. He's he's way more impactful. He is that dude, game in and game out, making the biggest impact on the field. Obviously, this team was banged up. You know, I've got a lot of confidence in Aaron Rodgers right now. This man looks good. Josh, he really does. He looks very, very good. And I mean, the Packers, just as many rushes as, as they had passes. Aaron Rodgers was really moving the ball around with some zip on it, um, which is not what you saw from the quarterback who we will talk about here in a second. But yeah, I was very impressed by this team. Now, Josh, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and talk about him. Drew Brees, I mean, his career. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Go ahead. Okay, our, fine. Our, fine, go ahead. Our, let's just finish this, this breakdown. The Packers, how much of a threat are they to the Bills or the Chiefs? Uh, they're a huge threat to the Bills because they can score with them. They can score with any team in the, in the country, and that's what it's going to take. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and Aaron Jones was running like a man with a vengeance. Devontae Adams was just making plays all over the place. The thing I'm loving about Aaron Rodgers right now is he's continuing to spread the ball around. Um, he didn't just focus on Devontae Adams. I think he ended up with six catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. That's strictly off memory. I'm not looking at any stats, so I may be completely off base there. Um 
something like that. And he kind of, I mean, he's, he did a good job of spreading the ball around. The Packers just dominated the game pretty much from the beginning. So I'm actually really high on the Packers going into this. Josh, I texted you this earlier. Their last loss came November 15th, and that was against the Cardinals. Uh, the Packers the same way. Their lo- their last loss was around that same date. Uh, so, I mean, Josh, the Packers are just, I mean, they're taking care of business. But can we move on to the Saints now? We can move on. Uh, his career, Josh, Breeze's career, it's over. Ended just the way I predicted it would at the beginning of the season at the hands of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers with a duck throw with three interceptions. Josh, he had a hell of a career, but uh, should they have brought Jameis in? I don't think so. Uh, you know, Jameis looked good for the one play, you know, where they had to throw it deep. And they had to do this, uh, you know, earlier in the game too, or last week as well. Um, I think that it's good, you know, the trick play with Jameis when the person's completely wide open down the field. Uh, he did not throw it eight to 10 yards where the linebackers were. You know, there were things that, that were different. I think it helps Jameis in the long term, uh, showing that he's still got some zip on the ball. I can get it down the field. First off, I want to say, you know, just hats off to Drew Brees for the awesome career that he's had. He's been in the league since I started watching football. Uh, one of those guys that you just, you know, you root for and you want to see succeed. I really hate to see him go out the way that he did. Mm. You know, Noodle Arman to three interceptions is is not a good look, not the way that I, I want Drew Brees to go out, not the way that he should or will be remembered because of the long career, the great legacy that he left behind. The moment that him and Tom Brady shared after the game yeah. was just incredible. It was. I, I really enjoyed seeing that moment on Twitter. Uh, you know, Tom Brady, of course, throwing the touchdown to his son. Very fitting. But uh, I think this game, I heard this on SportsCenter somewhere, I'm pretty sure. But this game, I think, would have gone a lot differently if Taysom Hill were available. You know, just the three or four plays that could have ran him out there. And, you know, one or two of those usually work and put them in field goal range. So, you know, it's not a 10-point game at the end of the game. At least they could have a chance to win the game, you know. But – that's what well, Latavius Murray Latavius yeah. Murray was not active either and he's become mm-hmm. a you know a feature in the in the rushing game so yeah. you know I you know things just were kind of against the Saints here but I thought that this game was still very winnable obviously it was very winnable yeah. um, because this game even with Drew's three picks this was not uh, you know a blowout by any means um, this game got one late. Um, it looked a lot worse than it did with the final score. This is a very competitive game. The Saints defense is no joke. They can keep this together. Whether or not Drew Brees retires, this team is going to be right back in the playoffs, right back in the divisional round next year. I disagree with that. But, uh, Josh, let's get quick predictions. Buccaneers-Packers, they are playing next week. They're the first game at 205 on Fox. Green Bay is a three-point favorite. Oh, I'm probably going to go – Man, I this is first off, I just want to say that this is a such an interesting two games. Four quarterbacks on one mm-hmm. side, you've got Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, which could be the next two uh, you know, quarterbacks coming up through the ranks. And then you've got the two vets have put together hells of a career in Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. So very well, interesting. I'll, I'll even I'll even add to that, Josh. You have Tom Brady, who's recognized as the GOAT, and you have Aaron Rodgers, who's recognized as the better quarterback, or the better arm at least, for sure. But then you have, in the other game, Patrick Mahomes, the guy who is hey, on his way to become the GOAT if you know injuries don't plague him in his way, and Josh Allen, a guy who seems like he's going to play the Aaron Rodgers role and sit in the GOAT shadow for his entire career. Well, I mean, yeah. That, I mean, so these storylines are, are incredible for what we're about to see. 
as much as I want to give it to Aaron Rodgers because I I think that they're probably going to win. I am going to root for Tom Brady and the Bucks. I'm give me a 28-24 Bucks. 28-24 Bucks. All right. I think I think 30 points is going to win this ball game. I've got the score 35 to 24. Wait, I, that was the game for that. Let's get let's say 35-28 Packers. But Tom Brady, Tom I, Brady will have the ball to end the game, and he will throw an interception. Ooh. So let's move on well, to your, the AFC Championship take. game. Bills, Chiefs at 540 on CBS. Romo and Nance will have the call. Can't wait for him to nut all over Patrick Mahomes again. Uh, Kansas City is a three-point favorite, even with the uncertainty of Patrick Mahomes. Josh, you already know which way I'm leaning. I've got the Bills plus three. I've got the Bills Packers Super Bowl. Uh, I have the I have the Bills and the Bucks, and I gave that score a minute ago. I don't remember what it was now. I think I did 34-31 Bills. 34-31 Bills in the Super Bowl? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, sorry, oh. sorry, sorry. Um, Bills, Packers in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Oof. Okay. Uh, if Well, I'm saying Bills, Bucks in the Super Bowl. Okay, I've um, got Bills, Packers. So I, I will say 30-27 to 27 Buccaneers. You think Tom Brady's going to walk out with his seventh ring? That's incredible. Uh, I could not disagree with you more. There's absolutely there. I'm not uh, Josh. I almost said there's absolutely no way Tom Brady's going to win the Super Bowl, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, the, the thing, the the thing that I that I'm going off of here is I just can't bet against Tom Brady. Um, the same way as with like I'm having a hard time picking the Bills because you just right now you just can't bet against the Chiefs. But I'm going to because I I think that this Bills team is is playing um, a great all around game. But when it comes down to it, if he makes it to the Super Bowl. I just cannot bet against Tom Brady. I can't do it. Well, Josh, I mean, uh, out of the four teams, who is by far the worst coach? It's Bruce Arians. Oh, Bruce Arians. Yeah, for sure. So I, th- I think these games, one of these games, whether it be the conference championship or the Super Bowl, it's going to come down to coaching. It's going to play the deciding factor, one of the deciding factors. And that's just that's just where the, the Buccaneers lose me. And also, you know, Josh, I was the same way where I could not bet against Tom Brady until last year against the Titans. I think, hey, father time. Undefeated, Josh. Father time catches everyone, even when you don't want it to. Josh, that's about all all the football talk I got. Are you ready to talk some basketball with Andrew? Absolutely. Let's get into it. All right. First off, here's an ad. Hey, guys, make sure you're following our social media pages at Kyler012. That's me, at jkeatno 22 That's Josh, at SportsBYBP, SportsBYBP. That is the podcast page. Make sure you're following Unwrapped Sports and Blue Wire Hustle, Blue Wire Pods. Keep up to date with us and everything we do. If you like what we're doing here, you'll like what we're doing there. And here is Andrew Select. How long have you been covering the Thunder? Oh, goodness. This, I think this is season nine for me. Wow. So uh, what year does that date back to? 11? 2011? So 12-13 was like our first official mm-hmm. season. So, yeah. Gotcha, for sure. Uh, do you live in Oklahoma City, too? I do, yeah. Awesome, yeah. I live in Edmond, so that's, that's cool. But um, maybe hit up, hit up a game someday whenever uh, – Fans are allowed. Or maybe, maybe Josh brought this up earlier in the podcast. Maybe you can get us a media pass, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> I do not have that kind of sway, but yeah, well, you might, yeah, you might you know somebody. You don't. You don't have it yet, right? <laughs> you, might, you might know somebody who knows somebody. But uh, joining us today, Andrew Sleck. He's a producer of a number of podcasts for the Athletic, while also uh, founding and co-hosting two of the very best Thunder podcasts out there. If you don't listen to them, if you're not subscribed to them, you need to. Down the Dunk and OKC Dream Team. Um, like I said, make sure you give both those a subscri- subscribe rate and review. Um, I wanted to, to start with that job at the Athletic. Um, 
what all does your job entail with them? So I'm an NBA podcast producer for them. So I, so I oversee all of the local shows across the country, uh, kind of make sure that they're on track. And there needs to be improvements, you know, what what can be done to to improve those shows. So I do that. And I, um, a co-host, I'm a co-host on the Daily Ding once a week, mm. which is a daily podcast that we put out on just the shows that happened the night before. And then I produce Sam Amick's show on Tuesdays for the Athletic NBA show. And then down to dunk as well, all for the athletic. So lots of different things. Yeah, well, and, and you know, that's awesome to see. And it's awesome uh, talking to you from Oklahoma City. Got here right in here in Oklahoma with us. Have you been a Thunder fan since they moved here from Seattle? Uh, what's the background on you getting started uh, as a Thunder fan? Yeah, I was definitely an observer of the Thunder when they got here. I wouldn't, I don't know that I was a fan right off the bat, uh, because I was more, I was always a Shaq fan growing up, and Shaq was still in the league back then, and so I was still kind of following those team, his team, who's with the Phoenix Suns at the time, and so I'm still, I was still kind of following them. But as he kind of faded, and the Thunder started getting a lot better, then yeah, I became a much bigger Thunder fan as they became a better mm. team. No, that's kind of the same, the same story with me. I was a uh, a Knicks fan until you know around that around that KD Russ Harden era back, you know, when they went to the finals against the Heat. But uh, when did you get into podcasting? That that interests me. Uh, did you start the podcast? Because obviously you're the founder of Down to Dunk and the OKC Dream Team. You're mm-hmm. co-founder, but I'm not quite sure the situation there. But uh, did you start those before or after um, joining with the, with the Athletic? So I've only been with the Athletic for about a year now. Okay. Uh, and I started Down to Dunk. We started it in the fall of 2012. Uh, gotcha. Wow. So we were, I mean – we're just some dudes dude you're an og you're one of the og podcasts yeah i think there was one other thunder podcast that started before us i think it was called thunderground radio it was on daily thunder and i would listen to it and i'd be like i I think we can do this and do a better job and so we started we started the podcast i remember one of our first guests was actually anthony slater who's a colleague of mine now and I had him on down to dunk. And then a week later, Thunder Buddies started. Um, so like we were one of, yeah, we were one of the first Thunder podcasts out there and definitely the longest tenured Thunder podcast. And then definitely. I think it's been four years since we started the Dream Team show. And I just kind of developed a relationship with with Royce and with Fred Katz at the time and John Hamm. And then obviously we brought in Brett Dawson after Fred uh, moved to DC. Yeah, just we developed a friendship and we were trying to figure out a way to kind of leverage all of our followings and kind of came up with the, with that idea. Well, uh, speaking of a following, he does have 10,000 followers on Twitter, people. So make sure you give him a follow at Andrew K. Schlecht. You'll see that in the uh, podcast description if you're wondering how to spell that. I'm not going to spell it for you. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that correctly, aren't I? Yeah, 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 you're good. Uh, okay, perfect. Uh, honestly, how good did that 10,000 mark feel? Oh man, it's still just strange to be honest. It's it's great. It's great. I, it, but it does. It's it's odd that this is what I get to do. So I'm I'm very blessed and very is all very exciting to me. The, yeah, that field just interests me so much. And like the the journey from you know deciding that hey I'm I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to. I mean, were you working at the time? What like to take us back to 2012, starting those podcasts? What what were you doing? Oh yeah, so I've. I was a teacher for about nine years. Mm. So I taught 
I was a high school teacher at Midwest City High School for three years. I taught psychology and sociology. Um, I have my master's in education, actually. And so I was actually, I ran an education program for um, a, a program for kids, like underprivileged kids out in Piedmont. So I ran that program for about seven years until the program was shut down due to funding. Uh, all the while I'm doing these podcasts, it's kind of more of a passion project. We started getting sponsors. We joined CLNS Media. We were a part of Daily Thunder all that, which was really fun stuff, but like not like career deciding stuff. And so I just kind of was kind of plugging along. We were, I was making some money doing ads and things like that. And then I kind of had after the, the school shutdown that I worked at, I kind of was looking for other stuff to do career wise and nothing was really working out. And I had a ton of friends that had gone to work at the athletic and they just called me one day and said, Hey, we have a job. <laughs> would you like, oh. would you like it? Like, yes. <laughs> and so that was about a year ago. We're actually like right at the start of the pandemic, which is kind of a wild time. Yeah. So really teaching was, was every, was what I did before I was able to do this full time. Awesome. So, uh, you know, Kyler and I, we started the podcast uh, literally the day before uh, the Thunder game, the J- Thunder jazz game got canceled. Oh, so no. yes, our, our, our <laughs> so first we started a sports podcast at the best time. Yeah. Our, right. our Our first episode, we debated, you know, whether the MVP storyline was going to be flipped to to, from Giannis to LeBron. And then literally the second episode, we had no sports. Yep. (laughs) uh, We went through our, uh, our, our terrible takes of 2020 and our like six episode title. uh, It starts out with is Corona bad. (laughs) We we have determined that. Yes. Yes, it is bad. Officially bad. (laughs) So, and you said that you were a Shaq fan, uh, not Lakers team. One of my uh, beginning thunder memories was actually a first round playoff when the Lakers uh, beat the thunder at the last second tip in. That was one of the heartbreaking memories. It was, that was, well, it was heartbreaking to a degree because they just weren't supposed to be there. I remember I was at, I think it was game three. I was at game three and four and I went with some buddies and we're sitting up in loud city and we're like, our expectations are like nil. Cause you're like, they announced the starting lineup for the Lakers and you're like, Kobe Bryant and Lamar Odom and (laughs) better world peace. And, uh, Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum you're like how in the world can we compete with these guys like this is nuts uh, and they did it it was that was some of them those were probably some of the more fun days because when you have no expectation for an NBA team and they exceed those expectations it's kind of like last year with the Thunder and why it was so much fun is that there was like there's no expectation uh, when you add the weight of expectation like with the Thunder from basically 2013 through 2016 it's just like like if they don't reach those expectations it feels like such a disappointment but at the time they're just overachieving it's all it's all gravy no doubt josh and i have uh, quite different opinions when it comes to uh kevin durant the slim reaper he is my favorite player uh, we do share the same initials as well uh <laughs> and i'm 22 years old so you know as a sophomore that was his his last year in oklahoma city so, you know, I really got to see him get so close to making it to the finals against that Golden State team. So of those, uh, first, so I've got, this is kind of a two-part question. You know, what are your feelings of on Kevin Durant and which of those Thunder teams in, in the 2010s was your favorite? So I like, I, I watched Kevin the other night with James in playing with the Nets. I actually like, quite enjoyed that. Yeah. I thought they were really fun. They're, uh, they're pretty good at basketball. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. I was talking to somebody yesterday about that. They're pretty good. I I'm not a huge Kevin guy as like as far as the person goes. I've heard lots of 
stories about what he said he was going to do and then what he didn't do and like he's just he's kind of just a guy that's kind of searching trying to figure out who he is and i think he's kind of figuring that out probably more yeah i'm not a huge kevin guy um as far as like him being like a top player for me but he's okay, obviously yeah. spectacular uh, oh, it was good it was good talking to you andrew we'll, we'll see you later <laughs> well, Kyler, you can go ahead and uh, hop off we'll go ahead and finish the conversation uh and then my favorite team, I I would say probably that 13 team that yeah. was Ooh. with like Kevin Martin. And I mean, that team was really fun. That was, it was really well put together. And they were really, I mean, that was the best team in the league that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really fun until Patrick Beverly ruined it for everybody. Really don't hate any players. Patrick Beverly is definitely one of them. Uh, let's get to the current team. Um, what were your expectations heading into the season? Uh, did you see this young squad coming out this motivated to compete? I mean, uh, especially we saw it uh, in that Bulls game a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this this current iteration. Yeah, they're scrappy. They try really hard. They kind of they have a really great personality as a team. I think mm. that Mark Degnault's done a really good job with them thus far. They have completely overachieved at this point. I mean, they have, they're twenty eighth in net rating. They're one of the worst offenses in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, I think they're 11th worst team in defense. So, I mean, like this is not a good team. Their record indicates that they're an okay team. They're really not, no. uh, but they try hard and they're going to compete and they're going to have nights where they beat teams like the bulls. Like the bulls are not a good team. Uh, and I think we're going to learn a lot about them in this next stretch. They played Denver last night, got demolished They play the Clippers Friday. They play the Clippers Sunday. They play Portland Monday and they play Phoenix next Wednesday. So I think we're going to learn a lot about who they actually are. I think you, and, and if you look at the numbers, like those are not incorrect. <laughs> the, the net rating number is not incorrect. Uh, so I think that we have to look at those as predictors for where this team is going rather than, looking at the record and saying, Oh, maybe this team isn't as bad as we thought, you know, they're trying hard. I think teams are going to, in the scouting report, that's one thing that these teams do really well is they scout other NBA teams. Well, it's going to say, Hey, you can't give up, you know, once you're up big on this thunder team. Mm. And if other teams just manage to just hang in effort wise, you know, the thunder are going to, you know, by the end of February, it's, that's going to be a much different story. How do you feel or how did you feel with the signing of Mark Dagnall? you think that he is the person that's going to be able to lead this team in the right direction? I think he's really good. I think he's mm-hmm. really a really smart guy. I think it's helpful that he's young. I think it's helpful that he is kind of gritty and wants to work. And I think all those things are helpful. I think that it's really hard to know until you have like a real NBA team on your hands, what you've got with a coach. I think these yeah. kind of teams, not to say that it's easy to coach these teams. It's not. These teams are not easy to coach by any stretch. But you have a team full of hungry young players and also yeah. vets that are hungry and motivated to move on elsewhere. And the Thunder communicate very well with all their players on their situation, especially guys like Hill and Horford. Like Hill and Horford know that they're not going to like finish <laughs> their career with the Thunder or anything like that. They know that they're not long for this team it's just way too early to say if he's a guy that can stick around and lead this thunder team into the future. Is he good now for their development? Absolutely. If the thunder in three years have a team with like real guys that can compete and they're like fifth in the West and looking like they're on an upward trajectory, is he the guy then? I just, I just don't know. But for now, like he's a great developmental coach. The the dude is passionate about development and I think he's kind of the perfect guy for now. Besides SGA, I mean, he's played brilliant this season. 
and, and obviously every Oklahoman is in love with Lou Dort. So we'll exclude those two from the conversation. Which Thunder player have you been most impressed with? Huh. I honestly, as far as expectations go, I'm kind of impressed with what Kenrich Williams has. Mm. He's to, to me, he's, he's not flashy. He's not going to do anything crazy. He really didn't even play that much last night, but I think you can see an NBA role player with, and that's important. Possibly a guy that can stick around for a yeah. little while. Calvin Diallo had a nice, like, couple game stretch. I, st- I still think that he's somebody that wants to be more than he is. And Kenrich yeah. is the opposite. Like Kenrich understands what he is, and also Kenrich is twenty six, so it's it's kind of hard to compare them. So I would I would say him. I think Isaiah Roby has stepped up and played Isaiah pretty Roby. well. Um, I was- yeah. Yeah, position. yeah, I was about to say Roby has a I mean, yeah, he has a he has a case to be made that starter at the four spot. Play with well, Horford, let Horford play the five. Yeah, I was about to say if we if we had a five, he'd be a great starting four. Yeah, I think he's just too slow to be a starting four, to be honest. He's kind of that tween he's kind yeah. of a tweener to me. There's right kinds of tweeners, there's wrong kinds of tweeners. He's I would say that like Markeith Morris is kind of similar to this, and we kind of found that out when he came over here. Um, as a buyout guy a couple years ago, is that he's kind of the wrong kind of tweener. And I kind of mm-hmm. fear that for Roby, because if you put him at at four, he's just not really fluid enough to play the four. Like he's definitely a five. I think the Thunder have identified that correctly. But then you watch him against a guy like Jokic and it's mm-hmm. he's just being absolutely Barbecue destroyed. Chicken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, so but I his, just, his moves though on the block, I mean, you can tell that he grew up playing that five because his his moves on the block, I mean, they seem really fluid, but not like a six eight guy should. Yeah, no, he's and he's playing well. Like he deserves a lot of credit. He's working really hard. It, maybe eventually he'll be like a nice backup for for somebody. Mm-hmm. But I just that's kind of the ceiling, and that's something that we'll see over the course of the next couple of years is that the Thunder are going to have guys that are going to contribute some, and they're you're going to see these flashes, and you're like, oh, like guy be this or can he be that? And the truth is, like most of these guys that play on the Thunder might might not even be in the NBA in the yeah. coming years. And Roby's definitely on the fence there for me, but he's he's impressed with the opportunities been given. I just don't see him being like a long term block piece. No, you go ahead, Alan. I want to hear what you're going to say. I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about the same person. Speaking of young guys who's going to be building around the team, uh, the Thunder have the youngest player in the NBA with Poku, the the draft pick, 18 year old, uh, who has for a couple yeah. games there seemed like he, you know, kind of found a shot a little bit, and then we see last night it went back exactly uh, to what we had seen over seven from the field, over five. Obviously, a lot of development needs to go on with Poku. What is the ceiling there, and what can we expect? from him yeah he's he's super interesting because he can do he can do some things at his size that you just can't teach you know whenever you're seven feet tall he's he has very fluid movements he's clearly a wing to me uh, unless he gets a lot stronger he's clearly a wing and he moves like a wing he passes like a wing he handles like a wing those things are really important and at this point he needs to get reps and he needs to get stronger uh, I think that we'll see that form clean up a little bit as he gets stronger. He has to use the force of his whole body, and you can see it as he's shooting from from deep. Mm. Uh, he's got tremendous touch. He really does, but he just has to get stronger. I mean, he wasn't shooting shots that deep a whole lot in Greece, and so I think that he, there's a – Tremendous amount of potential with him. The Thunder are going to invest a lot in him. They already have. They traded draft capital to get him. But he's a long-term project. There's just no question about that. And long-term projects is, is just that. I mean, I think that it's you can't really evaluate him for probably another two years, in my opinion. I mean, it's going to take a long time to get him where they want him to be 
and you can already see like he's got a high IQ he's got really good work ethic all you hear from the Thunder is that he's working really hard and he wants to get stronger he's in the weight room every single day and that takes time and we have to be patient with a guy like Poku his shot has got a ways to go Um, yeah there's a lot of things have a ways to go with him really but to me it's all about body development for him and strength development Uh, but there's a lot there's a lot there to me there's a lot there and I think that that we could be surprised what he could bring in the next. We need to get him over to Mickey Mantles and get some of those big old steaks in him. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. Taking them to Ruth Chris, uh, and they we're actually in the process of getting. Have you seen the stat tracker for Poku on Twitter? I have not. Okay, well, it's a, it's a must follow page. He updates he, after every game. Updates you on where Poku sits on the all time list for pretty much every category. So <laughs> oh it is boy. a must follow on Twitter. We're working on getting him on the on the podcast pretty soon. That's funny. So I mean, obviously Poku Theo Maladon has. I mean, he's played fantastic. Um, you know, he coming over from he came from the French basketball league, correct? Yeah, he's playing in the Euro League in France. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, obviously, the superstars in SGA and Dort Baisley really coming into form despite some inconsistencies pretty much every other game. Now, like, and like we talked about, Isaiah Roby. Also with the veterans in Al Horford, George Hill, even Mike Buscala, he's been around the block. What's the ceiling for the Thunder team? Could we get to the 10 seed and sneak into the, you know, the little play-in tournament? I think that's the worst-case scenario for this team. I think that's not where they want to be <laughs> at all. I, I think that if they could envision uh, this – like this season – for a lot of reasons is pretty much ideal for what the thunder have designed and that like fans can't be in the stands. You got this whole Sinclair dispute with YouTube TV and Hulu. Like it's hard to watch these thunder games. And I don't think the thunder are particularly sad about that. The thunder have been pretty fun to watch thus far, but I think ideally this team is closer to a top five pick than they are to the play in tournament. And that's where I think that they'll be. I think they're going to trade George Hill. I think that if they can get value for anybody else, like a Mike Scala or Amadou Diallo or somebody like that, I don't, I don't know that you can get much for them and they may just stay because you can't, but if they can get something for any of these guys, Trevor Ariza, another guy that I think that if a team is wanting, would like to add him, it wouldn't cost a whole lot to add him. If they throw a second round pick to the thunder, they say, yep. I, I think that this team is just, trajectory of a tanking team and that's what they want that's what they want to be that's where they want to go because they want to acquire top level talent and really the only way the thunder can acquire top level talent that they can keep is through the draft and so that's that's where they're headed you know when you talked about they have the all the draft capital and they want to get this top value talent obviously I forget the number. I think it changes all the time. I don't know how, but I'm pretty sure it's a different number every day. I think we have 17 first round draft picks in 18 seven, and years. seven years. 18 mm-hmm. and seven years. Okay. Yeah. That's the plan. What are, what are we going to package some of those? What are you hearing as the plan with all those draft picks? would say the plan is that they plan to try to control their own draft picks for the, the next probably three or four years in not being a very good team and trying to draft high in the lottery. And I would say, and, and dep- I mean, if they hit, I mean, if they get somebody in this next draft, if they get the number one pick and they get Cade and Cade's like a, a superstar to be like, you know, right away, then things change. Uh, and you don't have to have several years. Maybe you only have one year where you're not very good. Uh, Hashtag paid would, for Cade. Yeah, right. Hashtag paid for Cade. Uh, <laughs> and then those other picks, you, they can't control them. 
they have no control over what they're going to be like. We, like right now, it looks like Houston's going to be bad for a long time. We don't know that for sure. Oladipo had a great game. Yeah, from what I hear, their plan is to let Vic go this summer or to even possibly try to trade him at the deadline. Mm-hmm. But we don't – I mean, you just don't know. And so the, I will tell you this. The Thunder aren't going to rely on other teams being bad to get these top picks to get better. They understand that if you want superstars and if you're a city like Oklahoma City, then you have to build to the draft. And so the, obviously they can't draft all those guys – I mean, they're going to draft probably three guys in this next draft on this team next year. Mm. You know, they can't keep all the guys they have now. They're going mm. to add three guys probably next year. I mean, they obviously can't just continue to just pile on players. You can't have like a 30-man roster. So they're eventually going to have to trade some of these picks, and they may trade, you know, kick the can down the road. I mean, they did that a lot in the last rebuild that they did with Durant and Westbrook is that they took picks and they traded them for other future picks. I mean, I think you're going to see that happen. I think you're going to see mm. them try to acquire guys on draft. I mean, they traded picks in order to get poku i think they can trade up in the draft i think they're going to trade for players but i mean draft capital is just like it's the nba currency and so the more you have of it the better shot you have of building a better team so uh what do you think is a better play make the play in tournament at least this season or draft kate cunningham oh shoot probably make the play in tournament just the odds are so low of getting the number one pick. Um, <laughs> but really what you want to aim for is top five. I think odds are much better that they get yeah, top five. If you're in the bottom seven, eight teams, you have, I mean, you're just as likely to land the number one pick pretty much. Yeah. They're yeah. They'll be there. I think that they'll be there and they're going to, they want, they want to get one of these guys. I mean, it's no coincidence that the Thunder, they traded off most of their good players heading up to this particular draft. I mean, the Thunder are very prepared um, years in advance for different drafts. They've been watching a lot of these guys for a long time. And I think that very possible that they saw last year's draft and they said, eh, let's just, let's keep this team together. Let's see what we can do. Because there there were offers on the table for some of those guys during the season that the Thunder just didn't take. And I think they wanted to just see what they could do with some of these players. Um, so I would, yeah, they want to be in this 21 draft. They want to be in the top five of this 21 draft. There's several guys. It's not just Cade. Uh, it's Evan Moby. It's Jalen Suggs. It's those guys that are playing for the, the G League elite team. That yeah, but that doesn't rhyme with fade. <laughs> hey, man, go watch Evan Mobley for five minutes. Just go watch him for five minutes. Just so what, YouTube that guy. So, so what are the better? What do you think is the better chance we end up with Kate Cunningham or LeBron James Jr.? <laughs> oh man, it's it's just tough, man. Probably Cade. I don't know how long it'll right, be bad. It'll be that bad. So we've got on with the Andrews Slick. Thank you so much for joining us. What is the what is your best Thunder story? My best Thunder story. Um, with regards to players, it's probably when I asked Russell Westbrook to do the down to dunk intro for me. I don't know if I've sold this story a couple of times on the podcast. Um, so I was basically when, when you could be at media day and the teams allowed you to be close to players and things like that, I would spend all of media day just talking to players and trying to get them to do stuff for our down to dunk intro. And I'd gotten Paul George. I'd gotten Alex Abrinas. I had gotten pretty much anybody I wanted except for Russ. And so I'm trying to track down Russ pretty much all morning. Finally get to him, introduce myself to him and tell him, you know, I just got Paul to do the intro. All you have to say is I'm Russell Westbrook and I'm down to dunk. And I Mm. said, could you, would you be willing to do that? He looked at me kind of side-eyed and he goes, maybe. And then he starts Mm. walking off. And then I do one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my whole life. And I say, hey, Russ, if you wanted to say no, you could have just said no. Oh, and God. he turns back and he's 
he walks toward me and just stands as close as he can to me and says, you know me pretty well, right? I was like, sure, I guess so. And he said, if I was going to say no, I would have said no. And I said, okay, will you do the down to dunk intro for me? And he said, and then he just looked at me like super side eyed, like super frustrated with me. And I was like, maybe. And then he walks off again. And throughout then the rest of the day, like I am making, I trying to make eye contact with them. I'm trying to track him down. He's so every thunder, every thunder player on media day has at least one, like Thunder staff are with them, kind of walking them through media day where they're taking pictures and they're going on the radio and they're um, doing all kinds of stuff, doing sound bits, doing those like those video clips of you see these guys like screaming and doing all that stuff is all done on media day in the arena. And so they have a Thunder staffer making sure that they go to every place. And so like Russ has like several different people with him <laughs> kind of keeping guard of him, uh, making sure that he's doing the right thing and making sure that people aren't messing with him. Uh, and so to say the least, I did not get the down to dunk intro with Russ in it, which mm. was a shame because that was my last opportunity. But Well, you got a story about him making you shoot, shoot your pants though. So uh, yeah, Russ, man, Russell, he's, he's something else. He was, there's really nothing like walking into a room and Russell Westbrook being in there. I mean, there's really not much like that especially like walking into the locker room it's a it was a night and day difference when russ was here and then with last year's team walking into the locker room with because CP. when C, yeah with the chris paul team everybody's chatting you can talk to anybody you want to you can walk wherever you want to with russell there was like this invisible line in the locker room and if you're a me- member of the media you should never cross that line everybody wow. knew it and you just no one told you that was the rule you just knew it when you walked in He's sitting in his locker. He's got his headphones in. He's just staring. And you're just like, uh. But yeah, with with Chris Paul and everybody, you could walk wherever you want. It was very strange. Well, that was one of very many stories that uh, that Andrew Sleck will be telling here on this British Bubble podcast. Thank you so much again for joining us today, Andrew. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review to everything he does. Down the Dunk Podcast, OKC Dream Team. Follow him on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. That's in the description. Thank you so much, buddy. Thanks. Scholar, that was an awesome interview with Andrew. You know, I, I wouldn't even call those kinds of things interview. I, I think those, you know, are just great conversations and being able to, to really dive into a team that we follow so closely and, uh, you know, right here in our back home. You know, those media passes are becoming in any day now. Mm-hmm. So thanks once again, Andrew, for, for coming on. That was a, a great, great time. Absolutely. Josh, uh, this past weekend, Hollow, Max Holloway, I know you didn't watch it. It was on ABC. Did you, did you even hear about it? No. Okay, so yeah, they for the yeah, the UFC was on ABC uh, the first time combat sports were on ABC since the year 2000, and that's the first time ever the UFC has been on uh, network television besides Fox. Max Holloway put on an absolute clinic. Looks fantastic. He is going to contest for that featherweight championship next for sure. He deserves it anyway. He won that last fight against Volkanovski. Josh, we have a fight week on this Wednesday at 9 a.m. Anyone that I know? Uh, Neil Magny. Do you know Neil Magny? Michael Chiesa? I know Michael Chiesa. Hey, he's fighting. He's in the main event. So be look out for that probably around uh, 1.30. Okay, weird time, but I'm down. I like well, it. They're in Abu Dhabi, so they're fighting. Oh, uh, yeah, time, yeah, time's a lot different. But here's, time the thing, but here's the thing. This weekend, obviously, is Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. And on Sunday, we have a special guest joining us to break down all the events that have transpired this past week. Uh, it's going to happen at night. So I, I'm pretty sure 
Dustin Poirier, I was watching something earlier. He said he's going to fight at 8 a.m. Abu Dhabi time. Wow. So that's going to be uh, a lot different for these guys. So I wonder, you know, how that's been factoring into the way that they've been training and getting ready for those fights. Yeah, it's it's really interesting how, cause, I mean, they're, of course, they're already over there. Some guys go over there weeks in advance to to get ready for that, you know, transition and sleep. Any predictions? D- Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor. Uh, absolutely. Give me Conor McGregor knockout in the second round. And did you see uh, Habib? Did you see what Dana White said about Habib? Uh, I saw he was pressing him to return, but I didn't see the newest news. He, I don't necessarily believe him, but he said that if uh, Habib sees something spectacular out of this weekend's fight, m- next month's fights with Justin Gaethje and Charles Oliveira, that he will return to face one of them. But I think that was Dana White blowing smoke up our ass. Yeah, he's like a head coach in the preseason. You don't believe a word he says. No, you don't. But uh, it's definitely going to be a great week of fights, Josh. I definitely... I recommend you watch that, but I know you won't. So wait, what is, what's your prediction uh, with Conor McGregor? Uh, Conor starches him in the first round. He puts starches. him to sleep. Starches oh. him. Puts him stiff. Hey. Real, you, Josh, you ever had your pants starched? I, I have, and I didn't like it. Too, That's what so Dustin Poirier is going to look like on Saturday night. So I think that I'm actually going to be doing a, a solo trip this weekend mm. uh, out in the woods. I'll be doing a lot of hiking and stuff, but the place that I'm staying at does have adult beverages and a TV, so I guarantee you that they will be playing the fight, uh, and I will I will definitely be watching Conor McGregor fight Saturday night. Well, it's $70 on pay-per-view, so I suggest you get a laptop and a legal streaming website, but uh, we're, we're going to bleep that up, by the way. I enjoyed talking with you today, as I always do. Thank you again to Andrew for joining us to talk Thunder and all things NBA. I had a lot of fun, Josh. I'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds good, bud. 